Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Your kingdom come. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, which is our text, scriptural text, for this month's series. And this is actually the Lord's Prayer, as we see in the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm reading out of the King James Version of the Bible because this is most the common, more commonly used for those who recite and pray the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We did that part last week. And so part two, we're taking up in verse 10 this week. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, it's interesting because we see that the Lord's Prayer begins and ends with praise. And that's just a clue to us that how we need to conduct our, conduct our time in prayer. Everything in between is a petition. Uh, when we're submitted to God's will and his dominion in our lives, then he wants us to ask whatever we have need of, and, and he will grant that to us. Now, in this series, we understand that prayer is one way, and we're discovering that prayer is one way that we encounter God, that we encounter his presence in our relationship with him. Realize this, and I believe this is important for us to understand as as believers, a day without prayer is a boast against God. Because basically you're saying, I don't need you, God, today. And we talked a little bit about that last week, our growing dependency on God. As we grow spiritually, we grow to depend upon him more. And so a a day without prayer is a boast against God. So don't go a day without prayer. You need that time to connect with the Father and to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that prayer is one of the spiritual disciplines of Christianity, of the church, Yet it's much more than that. It's a means of connecting with the heart of God. And truly, we want to connect with his heart because that's where transformation takes place. Once we connect with the heart of God, there's a change that begins to uh, come into our life and our attitude and and just even our desires and, and our actions all become affected when we encounter his presence and are transformed by his power and by his love. See, one of the things that prayer is, it's also a means of connecting with the heart of God to discover his will, his plan, and his purpose for our lives so that we can live out and serve his purpose because you were created and designed by God for a specific purpose, and he wants you to live that out. He wants you to fulfill that purpose and that plan. And, and you know, we always say, Father knows best. He has your best interest at heart. He's not going to force you to do something that would totally disgust you or totally say, I don't want to do that, God. No, he's going to 
have you do something according to his purpose that will bring delight, joy, and fulfillment to your life. Do you believe that? Okay. You see, there's a call, I believe, to prayer which requires a response on our part. We, we really need to respond to that call to pray. The importance of prayer and its significance should never, ever be underestimated. And I believe that a successful prayer life, it will bear testimony of, of what people see God doing in your life and through your life, as well as the answer to your prayers you pray for others. Because prayer isn't just about us. It's about God connecting with him and also praying for others so God can connect with them and make a difference in their life as well. We see where Jesus was approached by his disciples, and there's a reference here. I just want to highlight this again. Luke 11.1. 1. See, you can look at that if you have your Bibles turned there. But it says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. So he was praying in a certain place, and apparently the disciples took note of that. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus gave his disciples a pattern for prayer. Uh, he didn't just give a prescription. He gave a pattern. He gave an outline. The Lord's Prayer is a pattern that actually addresses different areas of, of our life experience where we connect with God and where we deal with people and deal with others. See, Jesus never intended for the Lord's Prayer to be something that we just blitz through, a 30-second blitz. We, when I prayed now because I recited the Lord's Prayer. It goes beyond reciting it. There's an engaging of and an encounter with God with every segment of the Lord's Prayer that, that we approach. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're breaking it down, looking at this pattern so that we can learn from what Jesus taught his disciples and how we are to pray. Now, the Lord's Prayer is divided up into actually two sections, or we could say two categories. And the two are God and then us. Those are the two categories. God, where we see our Father, thy kingdom, and thy will. That all is in reference to God. To us, we see uh, it refers to give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. So we see the us in there, but we also see the God in there. So if we break it down, it's God and us. See, it's focused on our relationship with God and then our relationship with one another. And it's interesting when you look at the Ten Commandments. There's Ten Commandments, but the first four address our relationship with God. The last six address our relationship with our fellow man. And Jesus actually reduced it and summed it up in the two. He says, love God and love one another. So the, and he said, upon this, hang all the law and the commandments because it's all fulfilled in those two. Loving God and loving others, okay? Because if I love you, I'm not going to steal from you. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do something to hurt you or harm you. That's the law of love, the greatest commandment, okay? We see that played out. Now, as we look at this particular lesson today, your kingdom come. The word kingdom, I think, sometimes can be misconstrued or misunderstood by people in the context of Christianity. But I want to help maybe give you a little more insight to understand what the kingdom of God really is. The word kingdom is a compound word, meaning a king's dominion. So kingdom, the, the dumb, D-O-M part, actually 
refers to dominion. So it's a king's domain, or it's where a king rules. It's where a king serves. It's where he has jurisdiction. It's where he has authority. It's where he has power to make a difference, okay? And so when we see the word kingdom, it's talking about a king's domain. And in this case, it's referring to King Jesus and to our Father God and their domain and their rule upon the earth. The Lord's Prayer, so we could really see this as uh, allowing his kingdom to have dominion in your life. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are welcoming the dominion of heaven, the dominion of God to begin to rule in our life. And so that's, uh, let me just say this, uh, you can write this down if you're taking notes. The kingdom of God is the theme of the Lord's Prayer, okay? It really is. If we want to just break that down, it's the theme of the Lord's Prayer. So uh, we see, and, and in fact, uh, this, it's important to realize that we understand that theme, and we're going to break this down a little further. I have three points for you this morning, and my three points for this message uh, actually addresses the three phrases that we see in Matthew 6.10. In Matthew 6.10, we're going to read this actually in the English Standard Version. So you can look at that uh, with me in whatever translation you have, or it's behind me on the screen. Matthew 6.10 again says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So the first point I have for you this morning is his kingdom is here. His kingdom is here. In fact, we're praying. We're not praying for a future kingdom. We're praying for his influence to come into our every situation in life. Regarding this day that we're alive. We're inviting his kingdom rule and reign to impact us. Okay, We're inviting it to affect our household. To affect our community. To affect our nation. All right? So... In Matthew 4.17, and I have a few scripture references to verify and to prove to you that his kingdom is here. When Jesus came, he brought the kingdom. John the Baptist was preaching about the one and warning people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. It's coming. And Jesus brought the kingdom when he came. In Matthew 4.17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now the word repent means change your thinking. You need to change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Another influence is beginning to infuse the earth or to come upon this planet. Now, when you think about this phrase at hand, take your hand and just put it out there like this. That's at hand. In other words, it's within your reach. Anything at hand is within your reach. It's right there. You can get a hold of it, okay? So when the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus was saying, it's right here. It's within your reach. Right now, you can grab hold of my kingdom because it's at hand, okay? And then it goes on to say, actually, there's another verse in Mark chapter 115. And I'm going to throw out a number of references. Just write these references down if you're taking notes and you can refer to them later. But Mark chapter 115 says, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel. Now again, the word repent means to change directions. It means change the way you think. 
but then to receive the good news, the gospel of what Jesus did to save humanity. He came to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be forgiven and receive the gift of eternal life. And so uh, we see that there's another reference we see in Luke 12, 32. Luke 12, 32, and I love this. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his people as a flock of sheep. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, God is ready and willing to give us his kingdom, to allow his influence to dominate and prevail in our lives, our homes, in our cities, our communities, and so forth. And then if we drop a little bit further, a few chapters down in Luke chapter 17, there's another reference. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. Now, this is an important question. Because the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trip him up. And so they said, okay, Jesus, when is the kingdom coming? Okay, uh, you're supposed to bring the kingdom. When's it coming? Okay, we're waiting for it. And this is Jesus' response. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. In other words, it may not necessarily be physical or tangible. But listen to what he continues to say, okay? Nor they will say, look here, it is, or there, for behold, Notice what he says, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. In other words, it's his influence inside of us. It's his rule over our lives. That's where his kingdom is expressed and manifested. And we'll see this confirmed in other passages as well. His kingdom is within us. And so, see, the Pharisees and even disciples at some point, they were looking for a physical kingdom that Jesus would establish, that Messiah would establish to overthrow the Romans and their tyranny and their oppression and begin to rule a physical kingdom or nation on this planet. Now, realize that's coming, but that's future. But right now, his kingdom is within us. It's within those who embrace, accept, and receive him, okay? And it's powerful because really it's all about influence, and when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's what is influencing your life. Is it other people that may not have the best of character? Are they the dominant, the dominant influence in your life? Or is it the word of God? Is it the spirit of God? Is it Jesus and God the Father? Are they the dominant influence in your life? Because that's the kingdom, okay? So, now, I believe we need to develop a kingdom mentality and we need to begin to realize the kingdom is at hand. It's within my reach. It's right here, right now. And so if the kingdom is here, it can make a difference in my life. See, we pray for his kingdom influence to come not only in our lives, but in our society. In, in Romans 14, 17, and I like this passage because we actually see the kingdom defined um, in qualities that impact lives. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So it's not on a, necessarily a physical level, but notice, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's to have righteousness, which is right standing with God. That's powerful. It's to have his peace, which is 
to be at peace is a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, so many people are in turmoil, in conflict, full of anxiety. They don't have peace. But the kingdom of God brings a peace. Even though it seems like the world is falling apart around us, we can have this internal peace that gives us stability, that gives us strength to be able to face whatever is going on around us, okay? And then joy in the Holy Spirit. We can be joyful. See, joy is a strength that the believer often ignores. See, there's too many Christians that have their sourpusses, their faces, oh, it's doom and gloom. That, that, shouldn't, that should be so far from Christianity. I believe Jesus had a great time with his disciples. I believe he had a smile on his face and he was encouraging them. It's amazing how you can walk into a room and, and smile and, and, and you can begin to set off a chain reaction. Even around some of those grumpy people. You know, I challenge you, if you have a grumpy person that you work with, that you deal with, that you encounter, whether it's a neighbor, a coworker, or whatever, my challenge to you is make them smile, okay? Uh, allow them to experience a little joy, but they're not going to experience it unless they see it in you because it's contagious. I believe kingdom influence is contagious. When people see the dominion of heaven manifesting in your life, they're going to say, I want some of that. I want to be part of, of this kingdom and have its influence in my life as well. So uh, thy kingdom come. Actually, this is important to know because a lot of times we can read this, thy kingdom come. We immediately relate this to future. But re realize that thy kingdom come is in progressive tense, not a future tense phrase. See, it's past and continuing. So we are building the kingdom of God, so we need God's influence to come today. Even though you prayed yesterday, you need, okay, today I need your kingdom influence to come into my life and to begin to help guide and direct me as I journey in the course of life uh, that I'm walking on or in. So, Point number two, okay, you remember point number one? Taking notes, what's point number one? His kingdom is here, okay. Point number two, we must be intentional on seeking God's will. We must be intentional on seeking God's will. See, this to me is an important area because I came to a place in my life where I resigned to living out just my will. I began to pursue and seek out the will of God for my life. And initially, it's, it's not something that I really wanted to do because being at Bible school and graduated from Bible college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was ready to meet the world. I was ready to go to the four corners of this earth. And, but I thought it probably would be good for me to pray and find out, God, what is your will? And not for me just to pick and choose where I will go. You know, something that was exciting, something that was thrilling, and, and to move to a bigger city or move to another part of the world or the country. Um, and as I began to seek his will, guess what? He began to put on my heart to return to my home area, which was, in the natural, the last place I wanted to come to. I said, God, no, I no, 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 that's not even part of the picture, God. No, I, no, just X that off right away, Lord. I'm, that's, I'm not going. I'm not going. But you know what? The more I began to seek the will of God, 
the more I became convinced that it was God's will and plan for me to return to central Wisconsin. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I did because I would have missed out on so much. Who knows where I would be or what I'd be doing. But I believe I'm in the perfect will of God. And there's no greater joy to know that you're in God's perfect will. There's peace. There's assurance. In fact, you can go through any challenge or trouble, but when you know you're in the will of God, you know you're going to make it. Because God's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to turn his back on you. It's when you get out of his will, you're on your own. And you become subject and pray to a bunch of junk that you would never have to experience or deal with if you just determined to stay in the will of God. And see, sometimes people think, well, how do I get in the will of God? Well, uh, uh, part of it is you, you pray, thy will be done. You begin to petition God, thy will be done. He's going to begin to reveal his will and make it clearly known to you. See, and, and, and let me just say, if we, if we focus on God, he changes our desires. And then we begin to desire his desires. That was the case with me, with coming to back, back to central Wisconsin. See, because it's about him. It's not about us. You know, uh, uh, we're not only admonished to seek his will, but we're also to know his will. So we seek it so we can know it, so that we can live it out, so that we can fulfill it. Now, his will is, and I'm going to just share this, it's revealed in his word. It's revealed in the Bible. His general will is revealed in here, okay? So it's revealed in his word that we consider the general will. It tells you how to live, what to do, what not to do, kind of the general sense of things. It's all revealed here, okay? Uh, his specific will, however, is revealed by his Holy Spirit. When you spend time in prayer, he begins to make known to you by a conviction of what his specific plan is for your life. And it, it becomes so real that it's undeniable, when, when it came to me actually moving back to central Wisconsin, and, and Dolores Duda is here this morning, and she knows the struggle that I kind of wrestled with. She, she's like right from the beginning, founding member. She was on the board when we first started the church, when we first established a legal corporation. She was there. She's still with us 33 years later. Thank you, Dolores. I appreciate you so much. That woman prays for me every day. And yeah, she does. And plus, she always has an encouraging word for me. In 33 years, she's never given me a discouraging word. It's always been encouraging. It's always been life-giving. It's always built me up. And I thank God for praying woman like her. And uh, so, yeah, talk to her. Get to know her. She'll be a blessing in your life. Amen. So now, when we look at the will of God in a general sense... There's two scriptures that come to mind that I believe all of us need to know. The first one is 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's not his will that any be lost. It's not his will that any go to hell and be separated from him forever. It's his will that all be saved. But see, for his will to be done, there's an engagement where we embrace the will of God for our life. Even though it's God's will for people to be saved, if they don't accept him, if they don't embrace that, they will be lost. But that's his will also. 1 Peter 2.4 says, He who desires 
all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's a two-part expression of God's will. Not only does he want us to get saved from eternal judgment and hellfire, but he also wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth so we can grow in our faith and walk with him, okay? So uh, we see here, this is important. Prayer is intentionally seeking God's will for your life. Prayer is intentionally seeking God's will for your life. See, we must make the will of God a matter of prayer, okay? See, don't just decide what you're going to do. Get God's input on it, especially when you're making big decisions. The element of the Lord's Prayer is seeking God's will in matters pertaining to your life, okay? See, we are to pray according to God's will. Guess what? His will is revealed in His Word. So some of this is already answered for you, okay? And so... Luke 22, 42, I love this passage because this is a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the night that he was about to be betrayed by Judas. He had just finished the Last Supper, and he tried to encourage some of his disciples to come and pray with him. He said, just one hour, let's go out and pray. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, I've been to Israel twice, and Kurt's been there. We, we've seen the Garden of Gethsemane, and all those trees are really, you know, overgrown, but... You know, I think about Jesus being there praying. But what's more important about is what he prayed. Because there was a crisis in his life where he came to a crossroads. Was he going to follow through on, on what God called him to do? And so he prayed, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, knowing that he's facing crucifixion, he's facing death on the cross. Lord, if you can take this from me, I'd, I'd rather... You take it from me. Maybe something else is there. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, we as Christians need to come to that place. And see, I know that many Christians that call themselves Christians and live a um, um, nominal life, a, a Christian life with very little impact, in my heart, I earnestly believe they've never prayed that prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. I believe that separates the believer into a place where somebody is given over to the will of God for their life. And see, giving up your will to his will, it's a hard decision for some because we think, but Lord, if I yield to your will, if I have your will, what about what I want? Well, you begin to want what he wants because that's what he's designed for you, okay? And so, not my will, but yours be done. See, we must pray that his will be done in our life. In fact, uh, we have to will to do his will, okay? We submit our will to him. We have a free will. But the power of your free will submitted to him will cause you to do extraordinary things with your life. We must submit our will to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we need to always remember that Matthew 6.10 is a filter by which we ask for his kingdom to come, not ours. For his will to be done, not ours. John 14.14 14 is a powerful passage. It says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But the context of that is a person who has submitted their will to his. 
In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, the scripture reads, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anything according to his will, he hears us. So that means we need to know what his will is. And if we ask anything pertaining to his will, he's going to hear us. Notice verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. In other words, we're sure to receive the answer that we've requested. And, and we see in Romans 12 too, because there's a progression, I believe, we see in moving into the perfect will of God. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And our mind is renewed when we begin to study and search out the scriptures. That's when our mind is renewed. It goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Wow. See, that's what we need to do. We need to begin to test and approve what God's will is. We need to know it with certainty. And it says his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It moves from good to pleasing to perfect. I don't know about you, but I want the perfect will of God for my life. I want the perfect will of God for my life. And that's going to be my challenge for you today to seek God's perfect will for your life. I have point number three, a couple thoughts on this one, and you can write this down. God's desire is that we experience heaven on earth. God's desire is that we experience heaven on earth. Is that possible? Well, according to Jesus and teaching us this prayer, it is possible. Again, it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's how the King James renders this verse. Notice it does not say on earth in the King James Version. What is earth? Tell me what earth is. You're looking at earth. This body is made up of nutrients. It's made up of minerals. It's made up of stuff that has come from this earth. So what we're essentially seeing, what Jesus is saying here, is that we pray that heaven is manifest in this earth, okay, in these physical bodies. And not just the planet, but it includes the planet, but it includes us, okay? So everything that makes up the body comes from the earth. So whatever you eat, it, it's come from the earth, even though, even if it's meat, well, it came from the earth because the cow ate the grass, okay, and, and all that. So, uh, just, so how can we have heaven on earth? We pray, Lord, let heaven's influence manifest in my life and righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. John 17, 15 this is from the Message Bible, and I like this. The psalmist is, is crying out to God, and he says, And me, I plan on looking you full in the face when I get up. He's talking about getting up, rising in the morning, getting up. He said, I'll see your full stature and live heaven on earth. See, that's what God wants to do. He wants us to live heaven on earth. How can we bring heaven's influence on earth? Really, the Lord's Prayer, that's the cry that's what we see in what Jesus is teaching. Matthew 6.33, and I want to close with this and then maybe a couple other passages. But Matthew 6.33 has always been a very powerful verse in my life. Because it has to do with what we've talked about today. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, his right way of doing things. 
seek right living with him, right relationship with him. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, whatever you need. This is a, a statement from Jesus that deals with our priority. See, some people seek his kingdom, but it's not a first priority. My challenge to you is to make seeking his kingdom a first priority. And when you're seeking his kingdom, you're seeking his righteous influence. You're seeking his peace. You're seeking the joy of the Holy Spirit. You're seeking what he longs to give to you because he wants to do so much in your life that is far beyond what you can comprehend. It's often us that stop God short of what he really wants to do. But for those that are willing, those that are longing, those that are yearning for him, God can do so much more than what we can comprehend. And that's my challenge to you today. Uh, King David, in Psalms 57 too, he says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. God will fulfill his purpose for you. Now, as we close this service, I want to extend an invitation. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, you know, I, I don't know that my life is really right with God. I don't know that I'm in right relationship with Him. And maybe you've never committed your life to Him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, I want to extend to you an invitation to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. And this invitation goes beyond just an initial acceptance of Christ. But the invitation is for you to embrace God's will for your life, whatever that may be, that you would resign yourself to live out and fulfill the purpose, the plan, and the will that God has for you. And he has a plan for you. Can you imagine God up there saying, oh, okay, um, Cole, let's see, look. Uh, well, you know, I guess I don't have any plan for you, so hmm, I guess do whatever you want. No, no, God knows exactly from even before we were born, the Bible says he numbered our days and his plan and purpose was already revealed and known in the heart of God and the mind of God. And he wants to fulfill it and carry out as we live our lives. There's a scripture and I want to close with this passage in John 6, 40. And it's very clear. I want you to see this. For this is the will of my father. This is the will of my father. Now notice what it says. Jesus is speaking that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. This is the Father's will for us. This is the Father's will for you. That you should look on the Son, look on Jesus and believe in Him. Put your faith in Him. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. I want you to stand this morning and as we pray, I want you to take a moment and just bow your heads. And as you're standing in the presence of God, if there's anyone here that would say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God. In fact, if I were to die, I'm uncertain whether I'd go to heaven. I try to live a good life, but I don't know that, that I've really succeeded. But today I want to give my heart to Jesus and I want to make sure that I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that I've received him as the Lord of my life. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to accept him as my Lord. I want to surrender to him today. I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. 
just hold my hand up? Thank you. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I've, I've been running from the will of God. I, I've been ignoring the will of God for my life. And I know that it's time for me to just give up and surrender to His will. That's what you need to do. But you need to be a po- at that point where you're ready and willing to do that. If that's you this morning, say, I'm not going to run no, lo- no longer, Lord. I'm going to submit to your will because I want your will for my life. I want you to lift your hand. And I hold my hand up because I want the will of God with everything. You know, I'm not perfect. I still miss it, just like all of you. But I want the will of God for my life. I don't want to compromise. I don't want to settle for anything second or less than his best for me. Lord, I want your will. If that's you, just lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. I want you to pray this prayer after me. For those of you that lifted your hands earlier with the invitation to receive Jesus, maybe bring the music down just a little bit because I want everybody to be able to pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. We open our heart to you. And I come to you today. And I confess that I'm a sinner needing a Savior. Lord Jesus, I open my heart and my life to you. I invite you to come into my life. I receive you, the King, and the King's influence. In Jesus' name, forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. And Father, we submit to your will, not my own. Help me to live all my life to serve your purpose. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.